Welcome to the Taz Show Podcast. And we got to uh, wish a big congratulations to music producer David Foster. Do you know his uh, his work? No. He's a Canadian, a Canadian record producer, composer. He's worked with Michael Buble, Andrea Bocelli, Olivia Newton-John, Madonna, list goes on and on. Whitney Houston, he, he's one of the most renowned uh, composers, producers out there. 68 years old. He just got engaged. Whoa! To a 75-year-old woman. Whoa. She's robbing the the cradle, is she? Nah, just kidding. <laughs> to a 34-year-old. <laughs> and you know her. You love her from American Idol, Catherine McPhee. She uh, she was on American Idol years ago. She got engaged to David Foster this week. Announced, Catherine announced on Twitter that uh, this was happening. Pretty good. 68 years old, marrying a 34-year-old. You're 30, right, Jim? Yeah. How old are your parents? 60. I think they're turning 60 this year. So there's a good chance that David Foster is older than Catherine McPhee's parents. Yeah. I just don't know how that dynamic works. Maybe there's some daddy issues in there. Maybe uh, it, it has something to do with the fact that David Foster's worth, what do we got here? $60 million. Huh. Oh, hold on. Sorry, wrong article. He got divorced back in 2015. <laughs> He's worth $30 million. <laughs> Still. <laughs> that could have something to do with it. Or maybe they've, they've just fallen in love and age is nothing but a number. I mean, David's he's looking pretty good for a 68-year-old. He's keeping it together. Um. I, I would love to hear from somebody listening who has been in a relationship or married somebody older than their parents. Yes, hi, good morning. You guys are talking about the uh, the older to the versus the younger relationship. Well, um, not myself, but my father-in-law, his, uh, his wife, uh, a great woman, absolutely wonderful woman, passed away a couple of years ago, and the old master was uh, cheating on her at uh, the time, and he's got, which is now the woman that he's with, who is the same age as me, and I'm now 58, and he is not, he just turned 90. What? And, and she's how old? Uh, and 58. He's asked, he's asked his, one of his grandsons oh, quite a while back uh, to go and score him some Viagra pills. He's nothing but an old master, and the chick... She's only after one thing. <laughs> it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. It really is. And she's only after one thing, and that's the almighty dollar. And he's so damn stupid, he doesn't even see it. All he's thinking about is the old little Johnny down below. Yeah. And it's disgusting. It really is. But so if he's 90, his days are numbered. Is it not up to him what what he does with his money if he wants to have a little bit of fun no because if you knew this guy yeah you would just shake your head and the his wife my my uh former mother-in-law she was a saint uh, a great woman absolutely beautiful woman and she devoted her whole life to him and he was nothing but an old bastard just an old master and yeah it's disgusting 
It really is. So you are confirming my theory that when there's a huge age difference in the relationship that things are a little bit awkward. (laughs) Oh, it's pathetic. It really is. It really is pathetic. He's only got one thing. He fathered seven boys, and I'm with the youngest out of those seven. And he can still father another damn seven. That's how horny this old bastard is. Well, at least you don't sound bitter over it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Because his, his wife, she was, she was a saint. She was an absolute saint. What is your husband's relationship with his father like? So he did this. He actually lost his sons over this. A couple of his sons won't even have anything to do with him anymore. Because he just, like, they they even said, okay, if you want to have companionship, find somebody your own age. But this woman is strictly out for one thing. Mm. And they know it. She's got a history of it. But he's so stupid. And that's, you know the old saying when guys think with their Literally, this is what's happening in this case. I know you're saying this over and over, and I understand why you would be upset about this, but at 90 years old, I'm kind of impressed. Well, you know, unfortunately, that's where the men, okay, they think it's great. It's like, yeah, whoa, yeah, way to go. The women, okay, then you get the other side of it. Yeah, I'm not, if he's cheating, I'm not for that. His children should be his priority. I agree with you there. But the fact that it still works fascinates me. The men's side. Yeah. So, like, the guys are saying, way to go, right? But no, the women are saying, you know, you're disgusting. And that's, but that's the way it is. That is literally the way this guy is living his life right now. Well, thanks for the call. You're welcome. <laughs> and we hope you feel better getting it off your chest. Yeah, yeah. I, I oh, hope you I had a great family barbecue you know on the what? long weekend. Not, ever since she passed away, I have nothing. I will not even go near. And actually, uh, my guy is the youngest out of the seven boys, and he wants nothing to do with his father because his, he said to his dad, he says, I'll come visit you, but you make sure um, that woman is not in my mom's house. And she, he moved her in right away. Wow. Boom, into his mom's house. Well, Just if like you that. have hard it's feelings over stuff. the situation, you hide it well. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and you know what? You know what? <laughs> we, we're out of time. You know, we're what? out of time. We get it. <laughs> Bye. The Tash Show Podcast. More yoga studios are now giving out little consent cards um, so you can let the instructor know if you want to be physically adjusted during the class, right? So you have one card has yes on one side and no during the other side. So during the class, you can flip it on one side or the other, depending on how you feel, if you want the instructor to come on and uh, give you a little adjustment. I, I always enjoyed the adjustment. I did yoga on a regular basis for a long time, and it was fantastic. It really helped me out uh, with my breathing and taught me how to relax. I thought it was a great tool, and I always enjoyed when the instructor would come over and just give you that little, doesn't take much, you know, just your, lift your arm up a little bit so you're in the right position or straighten your leg at the back. Yeah, I'm sure the leg and the arm isn't bad, but do they ever get like under your waist or your back near your butt and move you up that way? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I'm saying I don't think... Demonstrate on Devin. What are okay. you talking about? Did this they is... ever do what? Devin, get into downward dog. Bend yeah, over. Yeah, okay. You got in there, yeah. That's okay, what you're okay. talking I'm about? I'm flipping my card yeah. to yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Dev, 
Now I want you to breathe through your diaphragm. There you go, right there, right okay. there, big guy. Feel that coming through your back, oh, especially yeah. the lower so much, back. So much better. Yeah, yeah. And if you get Where's right, my camera? right low between the legs. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Stretch that out. Stretch. Oh, these hammies are tight. These hammies. Oh. So much tension. Yeah, that, that's a lot of tension. You're carrying a lot. You are stressed. No, Jim. No. Well, I think that's where the issue comes from. Like, you know, moving. I never had an back. experience. But then again, maybe uh, maybe I should take that as an insult. <laughs> I never had an experience where the instructor tried to uh, inappropriately touch me during a class. Mm-hmm. They used to have this. There was this one. I went to Yoga Shack for a long time. I still go occasionally when I can find time, but... There was one instructor who used to go around at the end of class, and before she did this, like this is when you're lying in Shavasana, Mm -hmm. which is corpse pose, my favorite position. It's basically just lying on your back and (laughs) doing nothing. And she'd say, okay, I'm going to come around the room with some... um, Chocolate? Chocolate. No, invigorating (laughs) balm or something. Like She had some lotion or oil or something. She said... Uh, I'm going to put it on the back of your neck and just give you a little rub on the back of your neck. If you're interested, just stay the way you are. If you're not interested, put your hand on your chest. So if you didn't want the uh, the lotion rubbed on your neck, then you put your hand on your chest and she wouldn't do it. So I, this is a an extension of that. Yeah. I mean, I've never done yoga. Probably would never do yoga. I don't, I don't want some guy with long hair down to his button. Super long toes, just. <laughs> what if he's got a crew cut and short toes? Who Hands on. Is that how you picture yoga instructors? I, I, figure, I, I, I see yoga, yoga instructors having just really long toes and long hair and long fingers. I and- feel like you're just jealous of his hair. <laughs> <laughs> What if it was a woman well, that's, who I came think, up behind you? I don't would want you, a woman doing it. Would you want to be adjusted I'd, then? I'd be embarrassed because I'd be sweaty, but I'm saying I, the issue is probably 95% of the time somebody the opposite gender or the gender, well, I guess... Yeah, I, you know, I would I, agree I'm with that. They're talking about guys touching women, are they not? I, well, So I'm picturing maybe, guys touching me. Maybe, or women touching guys. Like I would, I would agree that the majority of the problems would probably stem from someone... Of the opposite sex touching, and in rarely the class. if a guy was being touched by a woman. I feel like there's many less complaints from a guy getting touched by a female instructor than a female getting touched by a male instructor. Maybe, but we don't know that. I just I don't want anyone like I would just be so terrible at it that they would have to focus. Like, I would have to have my own personal class. You need like five people touching you yeah, to get you in the right like, position. What's with Peacock? He keeps, <laughs> he keeps bending the wrong way, and I get stuck. I just I don't want to. I don't want any part of it. That was a. I was a. I'd say no to the uh, the neck rub at the end of class a lot of the time, just because I felt sorry for her. <laughs> it's like, I, do you know how sweaty I am? Don't just don't bother. You don't need to touch my neck. It's gross. <laughs> I'm doing this for you. Namaste. The Tash Show Podcast. Grand Bend. I was up in the bend. On Sunday, and I said yesterday it was fantastic. It was exceeded my expectations for sure. Well, we got this email sent to us last night. It says, "Hey Taz, I was listening to the Taz Show at six, and I heard you talking about being in Grand Bend for the weekend, and heard your comments about the fireworks." I just wanted to say thank you very much for the kind words. This was actually the show that I worked on, and it blew me away when you talked about it. Well, it blew me away watching it. 
It's funny, I rarely come home in the summer. I'm usually too busy, but I had to come up to edit and upload the video from the uh, show, so I just happened to be listening at that time. Josh Van Alstein, pyrotechnic supervisor at KH Fireworks Distributing. He included his phone number, so I thought, why not get Josh on the show this morning? It is the 4th of July in the United States, so there's going to be a lot of people just south of us lighting off some fireworks. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for chatting with us. You guys did such a great job in Grand Bend on the weekend. Oh, thank you very much. How much did that cost? Because this was <laughs> the big debate I had with my buddies as we were sitting on the beach in Southcott watching the fireworks go off. Like that, I said a million dollars. Not quite that much. Uh, this year's budget was actually $35,000. That's it? That's it, but it was uh, it's all crowdfunded and through local businesses that uh, help sponsor the event. So without that, it wouldn't be possible. You a million dollars? It looked, it looked like a million dollars. You know the saying, wow, that looks like a million bucks. <laughs> yeah. It really did. And I know when you go out and you buy a, a couple fireworks, um, how expensive they are at, at the corner store or whatever before Canada Day, and then you go home, you get them in the backyard, you light them off, and they're always so disappointing. <laughs> You're always thinking to yourself, that's all I get for 100 bucks. That's all I get for 200 bucks. So I thought, yeah, what you guys did looked like a million dollars. We use a lot of uh, big and professional products. I mean, we've been doing this stuff for many, many years. This is my 14th year in doing fireworks. So we know the best stuff to bring and what, uh, how to design a show and make it look like a million bucks. How did you get into the, uh, the profession? So it was actually my uh, uncle that was into it. He married into the family, and then I jumped on board. And uh, now I'm working for the company in Windsor that did this show tonight. Or not tonight, but... On Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, yeah. How many fingers do you have, Josh? I have all ten still. boy. <laughs> <laughs> what is... If you're giving people uh, listening in the United States right now, getting ready for their 4th of July display on their on their block or in their backyard, some tips about safety, what would they be? Uh, number one, do not hold anything in your hand. You do not want to lose your fingers. Jim, you saw some kids in the park next to your house shooting fireworks at each other on the weekend, right? Yeah, they first started shooting them in the air, and then one like blew up around their feet, and then they decided that'd be a good time to shoot. I, I must, I'm assuming they're Roman candles at each other for about uh, you know 30 minutes. Do Roman candles ever go off in somebody's hand, or is that just a, a warning? Absolutely. Those are the most common thing to go off because you got to remember, those things are made in a machine in China. So, I mean, they're not uh, not the greatest quality. What are the fireworks? Because there was a couple. I thought there was a misfire for a second during the, the show you put on in Grand Bend on the weekend because there was some fireworks that were exploding really low, like either on the water or, or just above the water. Are those new? Yeah, those those are brand new in uh, forget the Grand Bend show. So we've never used them in Grand Bend before. They're actually aquatic shells. They're designed to go off into the water. We fire them into the water, and then they explode off the water. <laughs> yeah, they they explode out of the water. Uh, for a second, huh. I thought I'm like, uh oh, something caught, and this isn't supposed to be happening. I could just picture you and your crew diving <laughs> off the barge there and swimming for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty amazing, man. So, uh, how many fireworks shows do you do in a year? Uh, so we actually, over the two two days of Canada Day, we had about 35 in our company alone. Just between the two days, we do about 70 a year total. Right on. Well, I'll be back for sure. It, it was very impressive. You know it's a good fireworks show 
when you keep saying to yourself, oh, this has got to be it. <laughs> you think, oh, this is the finale for sure. There's no way they can top it. Hold on a second. <laughs> smiley faces and hearts. What? <laughs> yeah, Jim, there was smiley faces and hearts no. exploding in the sky. It was that good. <laughs> Josh Van Alstein from uh, Pyrotechnics, uh, sorry, KNH Fireworks. Thanks for joining us, the Pyrotechnics supervisor there. We appreciate it, and you did a great job on Canada Today. Thank you very much. The Tash Show Podcast. Devin Peacock. I want to see you peacock. It's time for sports. Devin Peacock has been so excited to talk about this. We've been sitting on the story because yesterday it was all LeBron and Tavares. But Ernie Els apparently has an interesting hobby. Of course, Ernie Els, world-renowned golfer. He's won multiple uh, majors. He's won millions of dollars. So much money that he has his own private jet to take him around the world. Must be nice. And the story started to emerge a couple years ago that was confirmed just last week by Ernie Els himself that uh, Ernie has this uh, habit, I guess is what they call it, of... Wrestling with guys and fighting with guys on his private jet <laughs> for fun. <laughs> and so the the most famous of all these stories was Steve Marino, a PGA golfer, who didn't know Ernie Els at all. And Ernie Els just beat the living tar out of him. He's <laughs> um, like Happy Gilmore. <laughs> pretty Like Happy Gilmore meets uh, Bill Brasky from SNL. <laughs> he waits until until he gets them in the air and then starts fighting them. So the, the, Says, where are you going to go now, big guy? The, the, the way the story met was uh, Marino's in the bar after a tournament or during, in the middle of a tournament drinking. Ernie Els sits down beside him. They start talking, having a couple beers. And so Ernie looks over him and says, uh, so what do you do for a living? And he's like, I'm a couple spots ahead of you on the money list. <laughs> Ernie Els uh, finds that funny. They talk a little bit more. He says, hey, are you going to play in Japan in a couple months? And he's like, yeah, I am. He's like, listen, um, if we're both there, we'll, I'll give you a ride back in my plane. He says, that's great. That sounds, sounds great. So a <laughs> couple months go by. They don't talk about it. Steve Marino's wondering, if, is, this, is this still going to happen? Tournament ends in Japan. He's waiting with his bags to see if Ernie's going to give him a ride. If not, he's got to find a way home. Ernie pops out and says, uh, hey, plan's all set to go. Let's, let's, let's do this. And so the story was relayed last week on a different podcast by Mike Commodore, former NHL player, who's a friend of a PGA golfer, who's a friend of Steve Marino's who told him the story. I'll let Mike Commodore... Describe it because it's absolutely it's it's funny for me to hear to say, tell you it's even better to hear it from Mike Commodore. So they're like standing kind of in, in the aisle or whatever, and uh, Ernie Elf comes up to him and is, says something like, uh, "Oh, you having a good time?" And Steve's like, "Yeah, this is great." And Ernie goes, "Now we fight," and straight <laughs> up headbutts him, <laughs> headbutts him like hard, like cuts him open, just like <laughs> cut him open and like knock the tooth out. Ernie starts throwing him around all over the place. The co-pilot comes back, yelling and screaming because the balance of the plane. You guys got to sit down, this and that. Apparently, he said, Ernie, not again. The co-pilot was like, Ernie, not again. <laughs> and so Because like, apparently, this is a regular occurrence. <laughs> so they sit like Ernie sits at the front of the plane. Steve's at the back. He's covered in blood. He's like, I'm just going to go to sleep. Like, this has got to be a dream. So he goes to sleep, and sometime later... He, like, opens up his eyes, and Ernie Els is towering over him, just strokes him. They're at it again. <laughs> what? Why is he? This is insane. 
<laughs> so at the end of the flight, uh, Steve Marino is just waiting for Ernie to leave first because he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> no, I was going to get off the plane. And uh, he, he sees Ernie leave, grabs the stuff, starts to walk down the stairs, and Ernie's waiting for him at the bottom of the stairs. Doesn't know what's going to happen then, and Ernie just says, hey, great flight, see you around. <laughs> and then just leaves. <laughs> what? This is bonkers. Well, I bet you Steve Marino will never point out he's ahead of the money list this time. <laughs> so then there's a different podcast uh, Ernie was on last week where they asked him about this, and he confirmed it. The Marino one is obviously the one everyone wants to talk about. And, um, you know, it, was just, it was just myself and Stevie from Japan all the way down to Palm Beach. And, um, I mean, we had a lot to drink. It was the end of the, end of the year. And it was a long way down to Florida, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, there was a lot to talk about, and, um, you know, we we kind of hugged each other, you know? It <laughs> <laughs> was, was a love fest <laughs> in the in the aeroplane, but um, nobody got really uh, seriously injured or anything like that, and it was, uh, it was all in good fun. <laughs> oh, Ernie L's. I'm never going to look at him the same way. Okay. Steve Marino lost a tooth. <laughs> Ernie Els with the accent, he does sound like an evil genius who'd fight you on a plane. Right. Like John McClane has to stop Ernie Els from taking over this skyscraper. <laughs> Nobody got really uh, seriously injured or anything like that, and it was, uh, it was all in good fun. The Tash Show Podcast.